Hey, everybody. Callan Dan here. We had a great time chatting with Matt Hemachik, the director, co-director for the documentary Tiger Rise, Fall and Return. Uh, and so just to be clear, Dan and I are huge Tiger fans, uh, always have been, always will be. And, um, you know, we really get into Matt with this show on, uh, you know, what's, uh, what, what was his outlook and perspective on, uh, you know, on, on how the show was going to turn out. Um, I, he, once again, I've watched it multiple times. Lots of, uh, lots of folks that I've, uh, that I'm in the golf community have said they have done the same. Uh, very factually based uh, about the story of, uh, you know, Tiger Woods history. So, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the chat with Matt. Uh, we didn't uh, we didn't really hold any punches on this. We no. were pretty straightforward in the questions that we asked. And, uh, you know, we really wanted to, to hear it from uh, from Matt himself as to, you know, what was he what was he looking for? And, and, and uh, you know, and did he get the outcome that was that was expected? So. And uh, if you, you haven't seen didn't... it, go check it out because it's a really, really good documentary and it's not a hit piece. It is not a hit piece. So, yeah, it's not a hit piece at all. And it's actually not even in here. You'll hear the, in the, in our chat. I mean, it's, it's not even a, a golf show or movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really a movie about Tiger Woods. So it's, uh, you know, really well done comes uh, it's about three hours. I think it's in, uh, you know, two, uh, two segments. But yeah, yeah, great time. We uh, appreciate Matt coming on the show. That was Cheers. a lot of fun. Cheers. Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you will fall out of bounds. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. Uh, man, this is a real treat for us today. We've got uh, documentarian Matt Hamachik on. Uh, you may be familiar with Matt from some of his previous work, uh, Cartel Land and Amanda Knox Story. Uh, those are two that I've watched of yours. And, uh, yeah, we're going to dig through the, uh, the Tiger documentary today. So, Matt, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for um, having me, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we get started, if you want to share a little about yourself and uh, how do you go from cartel land and the Amanda Knox story to a Tiger Woods documentary? Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. It's really honestly what I love about working in documentary film is that you get to do these incredible deep dives on these subjects. It's kind of like doing, um, you know, graduate level work on this on this thing that you never thought you would before. So with Amanda Knox, it was. Um, well, first off, uh, learning to speak a little bit of Italian over the course of a year and a half of working on the thing, learning about the Italian legal system, which is infinitely more complicated than learning the language and, uh, and, and just sort of getting into the psychology of things like, you know, you know, does somebody really, uh, you know, fold under the pressure of questioning a police officer? Is that a bunch of nonsense? And, you know, of course, in that case, it wasn't nonsense. And it was something that I had no idea about beforehand. And so it's, it's getting to know the intricacies of that story and all of those things. And then with cartel land, it was just like, you know, I didn't, I had never done anything about like a, a vigilante group before that was basically on both sides of the border. It was fascinating because, you know, in, um, in the documentary world, you don't get to cover people that often that are like, uh, the guys at Arizona border recon who were, you know, taking on the cartels in the, on, on our side of the border. 
And then similarly to just be able to take on a story like the doctor in, in Mexico. And, um, you know, I think with that one, it was just great because it was this theme of, um, as the movie opens up, it's, a it's, it's sort of this, it's this idea of what is right and what is wrong. And it's, it's the, it's an incredible sort of thing to question and, and to see play out, uh, and who's the good guys and who are the bad guys. And, um, how murky that that kind of thing is so and then and then this one you know um i i had been i had been wanting to tell the tiger wood story pretty much since i did amanda knox which uh hmm. was which i which was i think after cartel yeah it was after cartel and right after cartel and the reason is because i think I saw this connective tissue between the two stories in an interesting way and in that both people were in large part sort of created by the media and by public perception. And, um, and I thought that that was an interesting thing to continue working on from the Amanda Knox story into the Tiger Woods story. And um, I was obviously, you know, I had watched Tiger growing up. I still remember in 97, you know, I was, I was 17 years old. Was I watching the masters every, every single year? Nah, not so much. But like, I do remember my dad calling me down and saying sort of in the same way that, you know, there, you know, there are these things that would happen as I was growing up, whether it was, you know, the home run summer, uh, you know, things like that, that like he would, he would definitely say, you've got to come watch this. Like this thing's about to happen. It's really important. And I remember my dad coming down in 97 for the masters and saying like, you've got to see this, this is a historical moment and something that people will be talking about for the rest of, you know, uh, your life. And I, uh, and then I, you know, like everybody else, I was captivated by Tiger's dominance and his sort of, you know, his, his like megawatt smile and all of the things that like he brought. And, and, and then as I, God, like just started to, you know, I started to finally pick up the game, uh, you know, personally about four or five years ago. Oh. And when, and when you really, when you start to play golf and you realize how, you know, I think, I think the thing that I love and hate about it is, is how hard it is mm. and how, and, <laughs> but like, but you know, you real you, it, for the people that can handle that sort of, um, how would I put it? Like the, almost like masochistic like you you have to like sure. you're very comfortable being bad at something <laughs> not being successful right yeah and and that's that's honestly like how many people are there that like doing that most people when they think of what that what they want to do especially in their free time it's like you know you you want to go do something that you really enjoy and that you that, that for a lot of people they want to do something it's easy that they're successful at and i know you know as somebody who uh, has broken 90 once in his life uh and normally it's a, you know, it's a, it's a minor ticket tape parade in, in my mind when I break a hundred, uh, you know, it's, it's an incredibly difficult game, but I love it. I, I, you know, it's, it's, um, for me, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's as much about, it's a, it's a much about sort of being alone on the course or with a really good friend on a course and just having five or whatever hours to, to not be on your phone and just sort of be out there and either thinking to yourself or just hanging out with a buddy and just talking and, you know, 
talking shit and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah. well, we loved the documentary and we could tell that you were a big tiger fan, a big, a big tiger fan, because he didn't miss a putt for like two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we, um, we, we didn't get to, because of the nature of the film, because it was much more obviously, you know, I'm sure golf fans out there were just like, Oh, why didn't they cover this? And why didn't they cover that? And I, I totally understand that. Um, you know, we were obviously out to answer a very simple question, which is who is Tiger Woods mm -hmm. and felt like, you know, this was the opportunity for a lot of people who don't care about Tiger and a lot of people that don't like golf to, to watch something that was as much about like our relationship with fame and, um, you know, uh, lots of other things in America as it is about anything else. So the, the golf definitely got pulled back. And it was something that we talked about a lot. I talked a lot, a, a lot about that with my with my editing team. I said, you know, at, at one point we had we had shown um, the 2006 Masters, which is I think I think Earl Tiger's father was actually on his deathbed at that time, <laughs> and 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 Tiger had a pretty monumental collapse, and we in that in that tournament, and it was an incredible thing. Uh, in terms of what you're talking about, because so much of the film is about dominance and not really about like, we didn't, you know, we had had early, you know, when you make a doc, obviously you start out with essentially, if it, if it ends up being, a, let's say what ours was a three hour finished product, you, at times you start out with something that's like six hours, you know, and then you start to whittle it down and it makes the story stronger and you figure out what your themes are and things like that. And, you know, it's a process of discovery. And so at one point we had a section about a swing change in 97 after the masters. And we had this, uh, and, and, you know, that was, a, that was a time when, uh, Tiger was struggling a lot and you, and we were able to see him, you know, basically play the best golf that anybody had ever seen in 97. Right. And it was dominant in a way that I don't think people could even imagine. I think you know, that's when everybody started to talk about, like, do we have to change the courses and we have to change Augusta for sure. Tiger and things like that. But on top of that, he just on a dime went to Butch Harmon and said, which we're changing the swing and it's not going to happen incrementally and it's not going to, you know, it's going to happen overnight and we're not tinkering. We're, we're fundamentally changing here. And that's of course fascinating. He did the same thing with Hank Haney and I guess Oh three Oh four, uh, before he finally won his major after that gap in the 2005 masters. So that was all in there. And of course, both of those times you kind of get, would have gotten to see him, you know, slipping up a little bit more. But I think for me, the thing that I missed the most out of almost any cut that we changed in the movie, and I'm glad we changed it. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I it was, it was important for the story to, to not include it, but I do miss that scene of him in 2006 uh, at the masters when, when Earl was, uh, you know, on, on his, on his deathbed, because you, there was, there's this incredible moment where, you know, those, those greens at Augusta are so fast and you, he makes the tiniest little putt and, and, uh, and the ball just trickles down past the hole and keeps going. And he literally falls to his knees. I don't know if, I, I, I don't know if you can remember it at all, but I, oh, yeah. I, I, it was just, it showed just how much he, uh, you know, how much this was weighing on him. And, and that's one of the things that I always found fascinating about Tiger is how much outside things that are going on in his life. Uh, you know, when you, when you talk to the people that really knew him best that we had, the, we had the opportunity to, they all talk, mention how much outside things in Tiger's life affect him on the golf course and how, 
you know, the master of compartmentalization, there were still things that could get to him. I think, I think that's, I think that was fascinating. And, uh, and you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, then, you know, but I have to say one of the nice things about the way it turned out is that when you finally do get to the 2000 sort of 15 air time when his back really started to fail him mm-hmm. and you start to see him slip for the first time it, that when you see the yips sort of take over tiger's life, it, it's obviously very powerful because for, you know, if you just, if you're just seeing the movie, but it was still powerful in real life. It was a representation of how incredible it was to see this guy who couldn't chip, like, you know, the thing that he was, you know, who's better than tiger. It's maybe, maybe Phil's short game is a little bit better, but like that's <laughs> it, maybe right. And it, so to see him stumble like that, uh, I thought it was just, uh, you know, incredibly powerful. When we started to see that footage of him at Phoenix in 2015, it was just like, what has happened to this guy? Mm. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. L- lots of, uh, lots of good stuff there. So I, I, I was going to start with, you know, did you, and I'm going to ask the question in a different way. So when you started out, so you wanted to record, you wanted to do a documentary about Tiger, you probably had in your mind's eye, like, this is going to look like this. Right. I mean, you, you've got some kind of blueprint of kind of where you're going to go in direction wise. Right. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I think I think I like I told you, I had this idea that I, I, I wanted I thought that there was this connective tissue, just this rough idea of. I feel like this is a guy similar to Amanda that had been um, sort of created in the public's eye and the media's eye and that a lot of people had a hand in what we thought tiger woods would be because by the time i was starting to think about making this movie uh you know 2009 this was this was sort of 2016 when i when i had this idea 2009 had already happened and what i realized is that this guy has been covered by more people and uh you know written about he's done press conferences He's talked so much to the public. And then in 2009 on Thanksgiving night, we realized that, you know, we, we know next to nothing about the guy. And I, and honestly, I didn't feel like we had that much better of an idea of who he was even after the scandal happened, because what we got a window into is a very specific chapter in his life. Right. And so there was this question of how did he get to this place? Right. Mm -hmm. Why, why did we know so little about him? Aside from the fact that he's an incredible golfer and, you know, he's an incredible salesman of all these products and all these things. And, um, and so I think, you know, for me, it was, okay, we have to do this in a different way than everybody else has sort of done it before in terms of the telling of the Tiger Woods story. Right. Because you can go and you can be a journalist and you can walk outside the ropes or inside the ropes with him or whatever it is. And you can write about his golfing prowess and that's been done I think fairly well by lots of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, people have written um, long form pieces that were in some cases really insightful or, you know, yeah, really insightful and in other cases not about like who he is as a person. And so the thing that I think Matt and I, my co-director sort of honed in on was, you know, Let's let's first off. Let's let, the first thing we have to do is try to get Tiger and see if he's willing to get into all this stuff and and talk to us about it. So we reached out to his camp, and you know they very politely let us know that he had this contractual obligation with um, you know another media company. We found out later to be uh, Golf TV, I think, and mm-hmm. he couldn't do it because of that. And and then and then after that, it was okay. Well, how what you know w- what else can we do that really hadn't been done before? And so we said, well 
we have to find these people that, you know, really knew Tiger over the course of his life. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in where his, his kindergarten teacher or his first high school girlfriend that was in a relationship with him for three years, Steve Williams, you know, Nick Faldo, Yes, he's uh, Sir Nick Faldo is a, a, golf, a golfing <laughs> god. But beyond that, because he had won the '96 Masters and Tiger was the '96 amateur, they were automatically paired with each other for Thursday mm-hmm. of the '97 Masters. And then, and then he was also in 2006 after Earl's death paired with Tiger again for the 2006 British Open. So we were what we tried to do is not only find these people that were sort of golfing gods, but also people who really had spent time with Tiger. And obviously beyond that, Nick's, Nick's, you know, he covered him uh, from the booth with Nance for mm-hmm. all these years and in other, uh, in other forms, because he wasn't always just doing the masters, obviously. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, it was finding all these people. And what we realized was if we could get these people and convince them to talk on camera in many cases for the first time ever, uh, you know, we could, we could see a side of Tiger Woods that had never been you know seen before. And, you know, in answer to your original question, which was, you know, did I, did I have this idea of what I, what I wanted to be? I think that like, you know, like we talked about earlier, it is a process of discovery. And I think that if you have access to those types of people, you really have to listen and let them tell you what the truth is rather than saying, this is the rigid story that I want to tell. And, yeah. and, if, and if they deviate, I'm just going to say, well, the hell with you. I'm going to talk to somebody else who says exactly what I want. I mean, that would be stupid. You know what I mean? And especially sure. if you can get Steve Williams and especially if you mm-hmm. can get Dina and the high school, uh, the, the, the oh, yeah. kindergarten teacher, and you can get Joe Groman, the pro at the Navy golf course spent years with tiger. It's like, so you listen to those people and then they, they start building out the story uh, for you. And then, you know, they send you on these paths that you just didn't even know existed because they hadn't been written about before. And so that's what makes kind of doing documentaries so awesome, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. So, so you mentioned Sir Nick and, uh, and Rocco was on also, uh, yeah. by the way, did Rocco uh, insist on smoking cigars in the room? No, no, no cigars, no cigars from Rocco. No. So you, you know, earlier you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Butch, you mentioned Hank. So there's a lot of, so as a, you know, and, and again, we're, you know, Dan and I are both huge Tiger fans. Yeah. And, you know, and, and as you mentioned, right. I mean, he's just been written about just in, you know, in, in every outlet to the, to the nth degree. So, um, and, and everybody's aware of, you know, what, what's, uh, what's been written about what's going on with those relationships. But was it, I mean, when you're, when you're looking and thinking about, okay, here's who I'm going to talk to right and i'm just going to throw a few names out right so one butch hank uh phil i mean get that guy loves the camera and a microphone it's like, <laughs> I, I, I mean it, you know, maybe it's because if we get phil on he isn't going to shut up and, and we, you know we're, we're done right so nobody else is coming but you know you've got other individuals and and i'll, I'll bring this up a little later because i want to talk kind of as, as you've kind of dug through uh, but, you know, and, and I really see your documentary as you mentioned it. It's not I wouldn't call it a golf documentary. It's a golf. It's a it's a documentary about a golfer, which is also a person. And, you know, I, I thought it was well put together and, and I thought it was very factual. And, you know, in your findings and, and what you kind of laid out, I mean, nothing, uh, n- nothing malicious by intent. It was just the facts that occurred or a series of events that occurred over the, you know, 40 plus year old individual's life. So, you know, as, as you're kind of looking through that and you're, you're looking, OK, who do we go to? I mean, were those were those avenues you tried to go down to get those individuals to engage or you? 
Yeah, no, the answer the answer is we talked to everybody that you could possibly think of that mm. we that we that you know had a major role in Tiger's life. And there there were different reasons why different people said yes and no. And you know, I think what was fascinating to me is how conflicted everybody that we talked to was about participating in anything about Tiger. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, a, a lot of the, you know, I'd say, I'd say half the people that were in the dock, you know, ha- were, were cut out of Tiger's life by Tiger abruptly mm-hmm. at, at right. different points. Right. So the natural inclination is, okay, w- well, you know, maybe those people have an ax to burn or something, you know, or an ax to grind, yeah. sorry. And, and, you know, and, and, uh, we have to be cautious of that because, you know, you've got to be sure that people aren't just painting a negative picture of a guy because, right. Which I don't even think most of them did because they were cut out so abruptly. And the interesting thing is that to a T every single person that we talked to was just fiercely protective of tiger to this day, no matter what he did to them. And, mm-hmm. and, um, their biggest concern in a lot of their cases was, look, I don't want this to be the, the, you know, the TMZ tabloid sensational, uh, thing that, that they'd seen play out in the tabloids. And they didn't want it to be the, you know, glowing puff piece that had been, has been made a thousand times over, you know, about tiger, you know, and you can watch it on golf T, you know, on golf TV now, like they do segments. It's like a five minute segment about like right. what's what, what is Starbucks drink is or something like that. You know what I sure. mean? So it's like, they wanted to make sure that this was going to be a real thing. We were going to try to tell, tell like a very complex nuanced portrait of who the guy was. And, you know, and then, yeah, it's certainly with, with, uh, with, a lot of the people reached out to, there was just different reasons why it was just a no-go for, for, and, and, and everybody took months of convincing. And sometimes those months led to not led to a no. And, and, but we were lucky because a lot of these really key people in his life, the, the months of convincing led to yeses. And so, you know, I would, I went and, uh, um, I'm just trying to think of his name. Uh, he, he, one of Tiger's best friends, a tour pro who, um, like Noda. No, it wasn't. We, we, we reached out to Noda as well. Um, but, um, I'm trying to think of what his name is. Uh, Mark, Mark O'Mara. Mark O'Mara. Yeah. 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 I went out to the senior tour and followed Mark on a course when it was a huge rain delay until finally, like Mark came off the course and I was able to like talk to him and just say, Hey, this is what we're making. I, cause I couldn't, I couldn't get a hold of him any other way. Mm-hmm. And it was at Firestone actually, I think. And, you know, I talked to him for, for ages and, and he said yes. And then went back and said no, and eventually stayed at no. But, you know, I mean, we talked, it was exhaustive the process of reaching out to like everybody who had uh, people at Nike that were so obscure that you couldn't even imagine, you know, who, <laughs> who, you know, uh, we, we, we tried to talk to everybody. And, and the thing is that even if people say no, they, to be on camera, doesn't mean they said no to They're still sharing, sharing a story or something with you. Right. Yeah. And getting, and, and again, it is a process of discovery. So even yeah. if you don't see it on screen, doesn't mean that I didn't have probably 10 hours of conversations with a lot of the people we're talking about that informed whether or not the ideas that I was hearing from other people were correct. Mm-hmm. And there were people that I, you know, after I was fairly far into the thing, I would bounce stuff off of and say like, Hey, I totally get it. You, this is not another phone call to try to convince you to be on camera, but I just want to make sure I'm right about this thing, you know? Yes. And, and a lot of those people were very generous with their time. Yeah. Yeah. 
one of the things that I thought about in this documentary, and you guys touched on it, you know, a couple different times with, hey, um, clips of would you take a hundred wins or nineteen majors and this and that, right? That Jack relationship. Um, did you guys reach out to Jack, and, and did you want him to be a part of it? I think we reached out to Jack's people and and talked to them a bit about it, and you know, we it was it was the same thing. It was convincing, and then ultimately came down to a no. Um, and I think, you know, everybody was just, you know, you can, you can tell people what kind of film you're making and, yeah. and they, they ultimately have to decide what's best for them. But, you know, uh, I, you know, obviously the Jack part of it, it was interesting because it was, it was always a debate about how early you start to in- introduce the, the story of Jack and how much those majors mean to Tiger. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the way we ended up landing on it, you know, ultimately was to do it before the 2008 U S open. But I think it makes sense where you, you, to do it there because, um, it explains why a guy decides to play, you know, on Tory, which is a, I think a fairly long course just to walk that on a, you know, on a broken leg and no, uh, no ACL is, is hard to imagine walking that many holes and sort of justify it by, you know, introducing the Jack thing there. Um, what did you find out about the relationship? Cause you probably explored it at least is what's kind of, is it, there's a huge amount of admiration, you know, we, when Cal and I are like, listening to different stories about Jack, I mean, there's so many more similarities with tiger and Jack now in terms of like, like playing tennis, he wears one watch and he's like uh, colorblind. There's so colorblind. many similarities. It's just like, um, what did you find out about that? I mean, I think what everybody, I mean, look, you know, I think, I think, uh, everybody that we talked to said that there's a ton of mutual admiration there. Okay. Um, you know, there it is, there isn't a, you know, some, some juicy backstory or anything like that. It's basically two guys who, who obviously have a great deal of admiration for each other. Um, you know, uh, but nothing else besides that really. Okay. All right. Cal's back. Well, before you guys kick me off the show, <laughs> it, it, it hadn't even gotten bad yet. I mean, it's still good. Uh, but what I was asking, so was it uh, was it coincidence or was it planned that this dropped? Uh, so you dropped January. The first episode dropped on HBO January the 10th. Second drops the 17th. But it's a week after the first episode is, is the following week of the father and son, uh, the PNC tournament. So and, and you book in your story with with Earl and or the documentary, you book in with Earl and Earl. And I'm just wondering if that uh, is that coincidence? It, it's to, it's total coincidence. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and, okay. and honestly, and honestly, like when the thing comes out is so far out of my hands as a director, it's it's a network decision and, and everything. So I have I, I couldn't even speak to it. But yes, uh, obviously a, a nice coincidence, but certainly nothing that was that was planned. Nice. All right. Reading too much into that with them, but, but I'm not going, but you know, cause he's tigers out there with Charlie and then this hits, you know, it's kind of like, that's eh, good, you know, good, good timing. So yeah, con- convenience, I guess. So, so speaking to that, and again, you know, I mentioned you, you open up with Earl, you know, and, and you do get kind of the, the real story. And I think it was a business partner of, uh, of Earl's right. When tiger was kind of growing up, that was on and, and, and shared a lot with you. Um, but, but as Earl is, um, uh, as it relates to the commentary surrounding Earl, do you think that built a uh, kind of a, a, a no fault of Tiger in, in the stories and kind of what you learned? Meaning as Tiger kind of goes through his career and then, you know, and, and as it's labeled, you've got, the, you know, the rise, the fall and, and the comeback. Right. And 
is there any tie in there that, you know, he was just kind of led down a, a path and, and it may have redirected his moral compass, if you will? I don't know. I mean, look, it's interesting. One of the things I wanted to not do in this movie is, is to make it a morality tale. And what I mean by that is I was, I was conflicted about everything and, and, and really, you know, Pete McDaniel, the guy that you were mentioning is Earl Wood's biographer, but also just an incredible uh, close friend of the family. And, um, you know, Joe Groman, same thing. I mean, both of those guys will tell you that uh, Earl was as good of a father as you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, uh, we are all extremely complicated people. And um, the idea that, that there is a simple linear line between what Joe talks about Earl doing on the golf course uh, that Tiger witnessed to mm. what Tiger ended up deciding to do, you know, what, what Tiger ended up doing uh, beforehand. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist and I don't think that that's fair to necessarily say that it's like this perfect thing that, you know, connects the two. Um, but, you know, I also, you know, I, I, I look at Earl and the time commitment that he gave to his son um, and and the love he had for his son. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is as substantial, probably infinitely more so than any of the things that people would say that Earl did, you know, quote unquote wrong in front of Tiger. Um, I think that Earl was incredibly savvy in terms of how he introduced Tiger to the world. And you know, I think that he had these very significant dreams, but I think, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people talked about is that he, he had this vision for who, what Tiger could become. And he talks about it at the beginning of the movie about how he was going to transcend the game. And as one of our guys taught, you know, one of the subjects talked about it, he was going to unite the different races and tribes of humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, I think that that was, you know, truly how Earl saw Tiger. At the same time, I think Earl was savvy enough to realize that was also a really good way to introduce Tiger from a marketing standpoint, you know? Yeah. And and so, and I think Nike realized that too, because when you watch those early commercials, they did exa- they they carried the torch from what Earl said at the 1996 Haskins Awards banquet directly into the commercials. They had this sort of like, you know, it was, it was, it was sort of um messy messianic sort of like here's this guy who's going to change the way we see the entire world and so nike took that and i think that in an interesting way the media and the public took exactly what earl and nike had done and they ran they ran with it and built tiger up to be this you know godlike person yeah and then and then in 2009 he essentially revealed himself to be a human being like the rest of us mm-hmm. who's flawed mm-hmm. and well, who's not flawed right what? Who's yeah, not no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who isn't? So I, you know, to me, it was it was an interesting thing because, look, you you hear from all these people in the movie about how Tiger had felt this insane level of pressure to live up to. Rachel, you could tell talks about it. This was this was just before the scandal broke. You know, the in he said to her, "I'm afraid that if pe- you know that if people see the real Tiger, that it won't live. I won't be living up to what their their version of me that they've created in their head is." And I think that Earl 
was sort of the first person that sort of started this idea because he first, I think he really thought that about Tiger. But I think like Nike, he realized that this was also an incredible way to, you know, in, from a marketing perspective to introduce him. And it took off. It worked, right? I mean, I think everybody built Tiger up to be something more than just a guy who's really good at golf. And so... Well, yeah, I mean, at that point, you didn't have a chance to fail, right? I mean, you 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 were all in. I mean, it's like it's got to happen. You know, fortunately, it did, you know, which uh, it's been great for all of us to watch, you know, over over a lifetime. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it actually it actually came to fruition. Uh, you know, some of it, some of it did, you know, certainly like the golf part of it definitely did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think, I think with everything else, it's up for a debate. I don't know what everybody would say. Did, did Tiger necessarily, you know, if, if Earl's vision was that he was going to be the guy that united the different races and tribes of humanity, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's capable of doing that really. You and think that's, about that's names like maybe like a Hendrix or an Ali or something along those lines, right? That's what Earl was figured that, that, that kind of legacy where like Tiger's name would be associated with those types of names. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think with folks like Ali and, you know, I think, they really, you, you know, I, I haven't made anything about them. So, and I don't, and I haven't really done a ton of research on them, but you get the sense that they wanted to take on that role. And I think that one of the interesting things about Tiger, you know, when you see there's a clip from a show, I can't remember what it is. I think it's on from an ESPN show where the guy says, you know, your father says you're going to be as, as important as Gandhi and Jesus. Like, what do you have to say to that? And Tiger's response was, that's just a proud father, you know, talking about his son. <laughs> right. But but I think he had a reluctance to to take on that, you know, that role because I think, you know, Tiger was this guy who was just he was he was just focused on golf and it was golf, 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 golf. And yeah. I think the rest of it was and you know, was was a distraction in his mind in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, as you as you go down that road, so you th- you think you know, a lot of people will will say, and, and have been coined, and they've said, you know, Tiger Woods is an introvert, right? Mm. And and I don't know, you know, is that by? So I, I guess I'll make a statement and then ask your opinion on, you know, in, in your findings. But you know, I, I think I wouldn't call him an introvert, right? I mean, when I when I watch your documentary and I see the videos. Uh, you know, for, uh, is it Dina, the, his high school girl, right, 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 right. You, you know, he's got his shirt, uh, you know, he's, he's a teenager, he's having a good time. Right. I mean, you, you look at the, as a kindergartner, you look at him on, uh, with, uh, who, with Bob Hope and, and a couple of the guys, you know, as a, however old, you know, two or three years old, right on. The, so, I mean, and, and, and then, and the, I'm, this is going to lead into the Vegas boys, but you see all you see, and then you start to hear about all these things that Tiger is doing and, you know, as, as what I consider an introvert, those are not introverted uh, expressions. Th- those are the exact opposite, right? And as you start to unpack the whole 2009 incident and as, as, as they are scandal and things occur, I don't really see introverts kind of doing that. So I would say, is he is, 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 is introvert a way of saying he's private and he's selective because he's guarded? Maybe, maybe it's a, a I don't, hope it's not harsh, but maybe that's a lazy way of, of kind of condensing that in, into one word to mean something. But I think the two are exactly the opposite. And I think that there's, there's no way in hell that the guy's introverted. Well, it, it, it's interesting. It, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I think that let's, let's sort of unpack it in different ways. The first part of it is, is what you see with Dina and, mm-hmm. and in the, in the home videos, I think Dina, when we talked to her would say that, that, that that tiger disappeared uh, mm. right around that time, um, and that was something that really troubled her. Right? She, 
she um, she was worried that that at least at his at his home that was some a person that he was not allowed to be because it was such a sort of you know she said it was so quiet he were she said the tiger told her it was so quiet and so sort of reserved and that he you know wasn't able to be the person that he was at her house and that's sort of one of the reasons that he really you know uh, was in that relationship for so long is that she allowed him to be a person that he didn't get to be. Mm. Um, and she felt that after, after that time period, that, that version of tiger, you know, disappeared. Um, I think that the introverted versus sort of extroverted thing, I think in a lot of ways came up as a comparison to other athletes of his stature. And so I think that a lot of what, people that we talked to mentioned, especially the folks at Nike, whether it was the folks that are on camera or the other people that we talked to in our research was that they were dead set on finding the next Michael Jordan, because when Tiger turned pro in 96 or nine, yeah, 96, that was sort of towards the end of the, of, of Jordan's career. And they really needed to find that next sort of transformational athlete. Hmm. And they kind of used the Michael Jordan blueprint for Tiger Woods in terms of how to push somebody out onto the public. Mm -hmm. And I think when people say that Tiger is an introvert, they're comparing him to pretty much like the A1 extrovert <laughs> of all time in Michael Jordan, right? And so I think that's kind of what the, what the comparison is. You know, yes. obviously I haven't spent a lot of time with him, but they did say that he is, he, you know, look, you have to be a certain type of person to be tiger would spend, you know, for everybody we talked to, whether it was at, at different points in its life, whether it was the pro, uh, at the local Navy golf course, Joe Groman, or it was, uh, Steve Williams. But this was a guy who could enjoyed being out on the, um, on the range, hitting thousands of golf balls a day by himself maybe having a coach there at some points during the year. But a lot of times, you know, from what we read and what we were told, it, it, there wasn't even, it wasn't like Butch and Hank were there every day. You know, it was, it was a lot of times it was Tiger by himself and then he would go check in with people or, you know, he would send video footage of himself hitting the ball to those guys, things like that. So in order to be a guy like Tiger, you have to be comfortable basically being by yourself on a range uh, and, and not really seeing a lot of other people. And so I think that, that, you know, that's what people mean when they say introvert. Um, mm -hmm. but I also think he was shy and, you know, goofy when, when, when you talk about Vegas, like, you know, Tiffany masters, who's the VIP host that we, uh, we interviewed on camera. She said that he was not, you know, Michael Jordan was able to go into almost any environment and, and, uh, be Michael Jordan. I think, you know, we, she talks about how he was shy and nerdy and, and had no idea how to behave around women and just mm. all sorts of stuff like that. And I think that that's sort of what people talk about, you know, just because behind closed doors, he's doing these things that seem like not the actions of an introvert doesn't necessarily mean that, you, that, that he, that he was the entire time. So, um, that's, that's sort of, I think what people refer to when they say that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that makes complete sense. So, so you, you brought it up. So I want to go into a little bit about Vegas. Uh, we definitely saw, uh, saw some clips, uh, from, from Vegas and he's kind of going down that road. And again, as you've talked to people, 
you know, you, you kind of see people and, and individuals and you're, you're, you're leading them down this path or, you know, from, I guess, from an Earl, uh, Earl perspective, you know, he's kind of guiding him down a path and in, in what he thinks is, is the right way. And you start seeing him uh, hit in Vegas with MJ, which that huge MJ fan, Barkley, love that guy. You know, can't get enough of Barkley and, and other kind of colorful characters, if you will. Yeah. And, and now, and now you've got Tiger that, you know, just, just on scene, right? I mean, d- definitely um, an impressionable person, albeit how great he was at that time and then and what he became to be. But, you know, I find it, interesting that somebody didn't say, Hey, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're a 21 year old, uh, guy that may not be the right path to go down. And again, I've been to Vegas plenty of times and and I've had my own share of fun there, not saying that it's good. I'm not saying that it's bad. I just, but just with the, the kind of the shepherding that was happening with him, I found it interesting that you don't really hear anything about that. And it's just kind of looked at as, well, that's what you do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have no idea, you know, uh, what generally goes on beyond the sort of the Tiger story. You know, the thing you have to keep in mind is I think that there is oftentimes this a myth of an athlete of his stature. And this, and this is something we asked a lot of people about and it was shocking for me to hear. But you think that he's got all these people that are sort of wrangling him and saying, like, you know, do this, don't do this, et cetera, et cetera. He's he's one of the most powerful, wealthiest people in the world. And obviously like how much influence any of his people necessarily have had on him at different points in his career is, is anybody's guess, but he is the boss. He's the CEO. It's not like, it's, it's not like people can come in and say, Hey tiger, we really don't think you should do it. You know, he is, he is an impressionable person, but he also felt probably at the time at what, people talked about it, you know, that, that there are very few people on this planet who can relate, who he can relate to and can relate to him. Right. And one of those people was Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. and he, Michael Jordan's probably the only person on earth. You know, we talked about how there was this pressure that tiger was under his entire life. Right. Uh, that pressure amplified so, so much after, um, after Augusta in 97, and in terms of the crowds and the tiger mania that, that started, you know, had already started, but went into hyperdrive afterwards. Um, talent wise, there's nobody like Michael Jordan, but I think what people talked to us about was that Jordan was the only athlete on the planet who had faced the mania that tiger faced on a daily basis. And tiger wanted to, you know, and, and had faced the scrutiny by the media, the way that tiger faced it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to go to the one person on the planet who could probably sort of guide him in that way. And according to the folks we talked about, that was Jordan. Um, and you know, their friendship obviously has evolved over the years from the folks that we talked to, but you know, I think after Earl passed in particular, um, this was a guy who, who had had a compass for many, many years that had been, you know, this was his best friend. This was the guy that sort of created him in the eyes of the media, all of these things. And so I think that a lot of the, a a lot of the Vegas stuff, even before uh, Earl's passing probably was Tiger seeking out a different role model than the one person that he'd had his entire life. And again, this is just coming from folks that we talked to, um, you know, were he was he was looking for that and i think like we talked about you know jordan is the one guy on the planet who could match him in terms of mania and talent uh and mm-hmm. having navigated that fairly successfully obviously i mean 
fairly successfully, extremely successfully. So um, I think that that's why Tiger gravitated towards him. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you're a busy guy and we got to, got to let you go soon, but uh, a couple more questions if yeah, you don't yeah. mind. Yeah. So, so in, in kind of, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're, even though we're kind of halfway through the doc, well, we've bounced around a little bit, so it's fine. <laughs> so, so you, so you have the press release on there, right? And, you, and you've got Tiger coming out to do the presser, you know, after the scandal and he's dropping it. And, and to your comments earlier, not to put you on the spot, but again, sure, it just, sure. you know, as, as you've talked to people. So in that, that, Hey, Tiger's a CEO. And obviously, you know, he's making the decision ultimately what he is and he isn't going to do, but he's getting advice from people. And, you know, I kind of look at that and, and, you know, I'm thinking the folks like uh, maybe a bad comparison, but, you know, like Matt Lauer, right? I mean, you, you go back and you've got the interview with Tiger and Lauer. Now, this was pre anything that happened. But again, you know, hey, you know, you, you've got other individuals at Letterman. You've got people that come out and things, you know, things happen. And, and you know, there's, the, hey, the light's there, the spotlight's on you. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to take a different path and I'm not going to go down that road. Well, Tiger took the path to go and stand in front of everyone and, and give, you know, a, a genuine and sincere statement. You know, and I guess he he took advisement or took counsel from folks around him and, and he elected to go that way. You know, I mean, you said it earlier and we, we, we agree. I mean, everybody's flawed, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's uh, the three, the, the, uh, the three of us, I mean, it, no matter who you are, there, there's something going on somewhere to, to different degrees. Yeah. What do you think about that whole, that, that situation? And, and would you, in, in hindsight, do you think that he's looking back on like I could have made a different decision or do you think he's like, uh, yeah, I, I did the right thing? You know, I, I don't know. First off, I am not a crisis PR person by any stretch of anybody's <laughs> imagination. So uh, I, I, I don't know how qualified I am to give an answer on that. But I, I defer to what Pete McDaniel said in the movie, which is, you know, I, I think that, you know, Pete, as somebody who you know was Earl Wood's biographer, spent a lot of time in the family home when Tiger was growing up. Um, you know, he thought, why, why is this guy doing this thing? This is, this is something that's between him and his wife. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, Pete, Pete certainly knows Tiger about as well as you can. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's one opinion. I know I'm sure there's, a, there's some, there's some PR handbook that says, this is what you do when this thing happens. And I'm sure that's the advice yeah. that he was given. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, it depends on what the goal, ultimate goal is, right. Is it, is it, repairing your relationship with your sponsors is it repairing your relationship with the public uh is it you know anything else who knows uh and and you know i have no idea does tiger spend a ton of time uh looking back and thinking i wonder if i should have done things this way or you know there, it, one of the things that people point to a lot is about his personality certainly is that he is a very forward-thinking person and doesn't spend a ton of time on you know looking back on things and that's part of what makes him so gifted it, it, it's the compartmentalization right it's the same thing that yeah. the thing that the thing that people always talk about and the question that still the people that knew him best ask all the time is is the thing that served him so well on the golf course good for him off the golf course and that's an unanswerable question in a lot of ways but um you know that's that's sort of the the thing that people always brought up yeah. No, no. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer either way. I think it's, uh, you know, it's uh, just an observation there. So totally, totally. Uh, 
Yeah. So what? Um, so so we're kind of moving through this thing, and and uh, Rachel and Dina, do they have a relationship? Because uh, obviously they, you know, they they didn't prior to. Is there anything that happened from the documentary after that? Is there any connection there? Not that I know of. No. Uh, yeah. No. I, I not that I know of. And uh, so looking, you know, so so now fast forward and, and we've got, uh, you know, Tigers back 2019 Masters was uh, I mean, this had to be well in production uh, for the 20. I mean, when, when he won the Masters of 2019, right? We had we had done all of our research at that point. Uh, actually, our first shoot was three days or two days after the Sunday that he won the 2019 Masters. So mm. we were. We were not at all uh, in in the middle of the things, and we had just started. And of course, that just you know everybody everybody just wanted to talk about that then because you know <laughs> these people they grew up with him, and so it was you know that was the first thing everybody wanted to talk about. But then it also, I think you know, it, what was nice about it from a from I think a lot of the people that we spoke to's perspective was that it. <sighs> like I talked about, one of the things that they were very concerned with is they didn't want it to just be this, they didn't, nobody wanted to make a hit piece, including us right. about Tiger Woods. Yep. We wanted to get to the bottom of this very important question, which is who he is mm -hmm. as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that was nice about the 2019 masters for the people that we were going to speak to was that there was a happy ending to the story. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, uh, you know, in terms of the comeback and everything. And, I think it it freed up people in an interesting way to be able to get into the more nuanced complexity of his life because it wasn't going to be the story of a guy. You know, obviously Eastlake had already happened, but we all know what Tiger cares about. It, it's the 100 wins versus the 19 <laughs> majors, right? So um, I think that I think that it made people feel more comfortable diving into the sort of the, the more complex stuff. Uh, and, you know, um, I, I think the story would have been incredible either way, but I, you know, certainly, certainly there's a difference between ending on East Lake and ending on at mm -hmm. Augusta. Oh, yeah. uh, so uh, I, I thought that was nice. And I think it raised an interesting question afterwards, which was, um, you know, the media talked about a lot about redemption afterwards, right? That was the, that was the word that they kept using. And I, I, I was always puzzled that by that because what I said earlier was I didn't, I don't think any of us set out to make a morality tale uh, to wag our fingers and say, this is bad behavior. Shame on you. And when you, the, you know, and all the scandal stuff, that wasn't, that wasn't what we were interested in doing. But what was interesting to me about the, the, the redemption sort of theme that the media came out with was it did feel like a morality uh, theme. It was like, shame on you, tiger. But now because you won a golf tournament, no longer shame on you. You're now redeemed in our eyes. And I was, I just was baffled by that. Cause I was like, the hell does Tiger have to redeem himself in anybody's <laughs> eyes except for his wife and family? It yeah. reeked of sort of the Billy Payne, you know, um, dressing down that was that was given to Tiger. It was like, you know, shame on you. But now that you now that you won, it's so everything's forgiven. You're apparently redeemed now. And so I kind of I was just like, the hell does that have to do with anything? And then when we talked, started talking to folks, you know, one of the things that they, um, you know, started started mentioning was that they saw a carefree tiger for the first time in, in so many years, a guy that was like hanging out and shooting the shit with his, with the fellow tour pros interacting yeah. with fans, just enjoying the game again. And, 
it it goes back to something that you know you raised Cal, which was this this sort of in the introvert uh, extrovert section was you know it was sort of felt like a return to the guy who was dancing in Dina's living room mm-hmm. and and unbut- yeah. unbuttoning his shirt and just being carefree because between that time and you know 2018 the tiger that we mostly saw was the stone cold assassin who never talked to anybody and intimidated the hell out of the world right and and to to see him return to that that in, in, from everybody we talked to they all were just like that's the thing that was different is that he seemed to enjoy playing the game of golf again mm-hmm. and i found that endlessly fascinating because you know you you had mentioned uh watching Charlie and him play uh, at the, what what is it? The PNC? Yeah. PNC father and son. Yeah. 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 And and so it was interesting because I remember watching that tournament, you know, I I didn't watch the thing live, but I saw Tiger being interviewed about it afterwards. And one of the things that he talked about is he said, somebody said like, Oh, what are you going to do with Charlie? Like, how are you going to teach him? And all this kind of stuff. And he said, I just want him to enjoy whatever he does, (laughs) you know? And that is an interesting perspective for a guy who, you know, asked his kindergarten teacher if he could play another sport and, and was told no, because dad won't let it happen. Um, and, you know, was driven in a way that nobody else had been driven before, but maybe is a guy who, you know, said to, to be able to say, I don't care what he does. I just want him to be happy and enjoy what he's doing. And if it's golf, great. And if it's something else, great. That's, that's, that, that fascinated me. And I thought that was really interesting. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say, yeah, I, you know, I don't know, uh, Dan, I don't know if you have anything else. I'm sure Matt's got to go. I got two things real quick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go real ahead. Quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah right, go for right. it. Um, what surprised you? We all kind of knew the story, right? Because of the headlines and everything. What yeah. surprised you the most when you dug in and when he can't play on tour anymore, what is he going to do? I can answer the second one first, which is I have no idea. I don't think anybody does. I don't even know if Tiger does, honestly. Like, it, I, you know, I think everybody would love it. You know, the people that follow him and love him would would just whatever the is it called the Champions Tour? Or something yeah, Champions like Tour. Yeah. 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 So I think everybody would love that because we got to see what Phil could do when he did that this past year, right? I mean, he did. Yeah. He he played extremely well and even said that there was something for him that was great about, um, you know, being freed up and, and the la- not the lack of competition because that's silly to say, but the the, the easier competition Phil has talked about being uh, something that was rewarding for him because it allowed him to just hit the ball and play his game and not be too worried about like, Oh, well I got to catch up to DJ and I got to catch up to, you know, catch up to all these folks. And I don't think there's a world where Tiger is not going to be trying to play the masters for many in the majors right. for many more years to come. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But it would be great. I'm sure for a lot of folks to be able to see him go out and play with these guys that, you know, cause what, what'll be great about it is obviously is that, um, he'll he'll go back to playing against vj and and ernie and like all of these guys that he was playing against when he was at peak tiger woods in in the tiger slam i, I, I want to play i want a rocco tiger repeat there we go yeah i mean i think i think it would be endlessly fascinating to watch and um and who knows maybe he has the phil experience where you know it it, it unlocks something that may or may not be uh be um uh, need to be unlocked, uh, you know, but that's total conjecture. I mean, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then what was the first question? What surprised you the most when you dug oh, in? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've already talked about it, but it's the truth. I think that, I think that the, the thing that just blew me away was how protective these mm. people were of them. Mm-hmm. I, like you just, you just wouldn't expect that, especially from the people, you know, you can see how much people are still hurt to this day by Tiger cutting them out of his, out of his life. But they still care so much about him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Steve Williams hints at it at first, but it, he sort of, you know, in, in, in his introduction in part one, but he says, you know, he talks about how when you see what he has to go through and you see the life that he's had to live and how much pressure he's under and how much the media and the public has created this image in their mind of who Tiger Woods is, I think, you know, he says, I, I can't, you can't help but, but be protective of the guy. And it's, and it's fascinating. You know, I understand that when you're his caddy, uh, I don't understand it as much or didn't expect it as much, mm-hmm. uh, rather when, uh, you're his caddy for 11 years, you win 13 yeah. majors with him, And then, you know, because you caddy for one guy for one tournament, uh, he, he cuts you out and you, you're still, you had to bring this up, didn't you? Cause this is like season five of nine Oh two one Oh for Cal because his favorite golfer out there is Adam Scott. And isn't there, uh, a, little, there a little love triangle going on here? Yeah, no, I don't have, I, of course I don't have any more detail than, than what's in the movie and what Stevie talked about. But look, I just, I think that that's just so interesting that, that they, they yeah. got to see something that made them, I mean, and what's incredible is like, you know, Tiger is arguably one of the most powerful people in the world in terms of he's, he's wealthy beyond anybody's imagination. He, he has enormous sway over media companies and tours and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And yet, you know, his Marco Mera's niece, Amber Loria, uh, who's in the movie, uh, who spent like time when with Tiger, when he was, you know, uh, 20 something years old till, 2009 like she's still out here pr- trying to protect tiger know, uh yeah. what is, and it, like he, you know he clearly doesn't need her to protect him but every single one of these people that we talked to was just so fiercely protective of this guy that says something mm-hmm. to me about what he actually went through on a day-to-day basis and how hard it is to be tiger woods um so that that was the thing uh you know, um, yeah, I mean, would you label it as respect? Because obviously there's some pain, there's some hurt, there's some uh, maybe disappointment, but I, I wouldn't know what else to call it other than respect for a guy and, and uh, what he's done. I, I don't even know if it's about his accomplishments. I just, th- I think it goes back to this idea of, you know, you know, what Amber talks about in the movie about how uh, he would go scuba diving so that because the fishies don't know him down there. That's mm-hmm. what he would right. tell her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if here's this guy that is just so dominant at everything that he does on the golf course, right? He, he seemed like the Terminator for a large period of time. And that guy has to go escape down to the bottom of the ocean so that he can feel like a normal human being. I think if you see that over and over again, you know, I almost think that a lot of these people would sort of, almost like not brush aside the, the golf dominance, but it's like, that wasn't the thing that they were concerned with as much because Tiger had that part of it on all under control. It was the other, it was the part, the part that really seemed to concern them was, um, this guy has been turned into a godlike figure and he has mm-hmm. to live with that every single day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when we would reach out to them, that's what they wanted to make sure that 
we we weren't just going to be building him up and we weren't just just going to be tearing him down because that's happened that's that's the pattern that sort of happened over and over with the guy right is build him up into a god and then when he's human tear him down and then it started to happen again at the 2019 masters right Mm -hmm. that was the that was part of the redemption story was like hey he's a god and you know when we're in our 40s we can still be gods you know that was like the thing that we can that, that was getting built up about him and then but again i think you know one of the goals was okay let's he's not a god he's just a man and let's just get to the bottom of who this human being is and that's sort of what uh pete mcdaniel talks about right before earl talks at the end when the tiger's walking up the 18th fairway is that um you know he's in the process of becoming a better person like every single one of us but to say that he's this you know fundamentally different version uh or that he's virtuous now or that you know he was a god before but you know all this stuff he's a human being and that is when pete said that when 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 we were interviewing him was just like this revelatory moment of right like this is not this is not the person that's been built up in the media and that isn't just that's not a bad thing to say like you know being a human being is i think you know it's real life yeah so i you know i um i i I remember when pete said that and just thinking like this is this is incredible it's it's sort of if there was ever something to be left with at the end of this thing, it's, it's Pete's statement as he's walking up the 18th, uh, 18th fairway at Augusta. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Matt, um, I know we've kept you, we've uh, probably hit our allotted time with you. Um, Dan, Oh, Dan, hold on. Dan said not yet. I, I, I thought you were going to go there. So you weren't, I can't let you can't let him go without this one question. Sure, and sure, I guess sure, the sure. most important one, the most important feedback. Did you get it? Has has the Tiger Camp reached out? Oh, have they, have I, they seen it? And did they give I, you any I, feedback? I have no idea. Okay, I have no All idea. Right, and we talked we talked to different people. <laughs> half, the, half the people that knew him really well said he'll never watch it, okay. and and half the people said he reads and watches every single thing yeah. that uh, you know is 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 not about him, and he'll 100 percent watch it. So yeah. I'm not, I'm I'm I, I hope that when he does, I really truly hope that he sees it as a. Um, you know, a nuanced and complex telling of his life, but one that ultimately, um, I, I think, you know, we really tried to get inside of his head as much as anything else and show the world from his perspective, uh, and to show the pressure that he was under, I think was incredibly important to telling an accurate story. So I hope when he watches it, he at least sees that, um, that, that component of it. I think he'll enjoy it. Well, I, I, hey, I thought it was well put together. I thought it was, again, factual. I thought it was a, a series of events over the course of his life. I thought you brought in uh, many, many people. And, I, and I'm glad that the individuals that did take the opportunity to come on and share. Um, and, and I think they shared positive stories. Uh, sometimes positive stories aren't always the best stories, but there's something to take away from it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I've watched it multiple times. Uh, friend, <laughs> friends friends in the golf community you know, that I'm around, uh, you know, they've commented that they've watched it multiple times. And and it's really, you know, trying to dissect, right? Because the I think the biggest thing was it's like, what's it going to be? And to your point, is this is it a tabloid? Is it a golf story? Is it a story about a man that just happens to be a golfer? And, you know, and, and, and I think it is definitely not not a tabloid it's not a smear fest in any way shape form or fashion that's right i think it's extremely factual and i I think it really lays out something that shows you can be you can be the best and you still may not be the best at some things right and and it's it's real life man it's just who we are as people as humans so we're all messy 
We're all messy. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Dan, that was a blast, man. I, uh, th- you know, hey, Matt couldn't have been more transparent no. in, uh, in in what he was in what he was trying to do and what he actually did. Um, you know, if he if he didn't know the answer or he didn't know which way to go, uh, you know, I mean, he kind of laid it out there. So I, I, I once again, I mean, I, I thought the documentary was was very well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad that the folks that were able to participate in the documentary did. Uh, I'm actually surprised at a few of them, but, uh, you know, I wish there would have been more, I don't know, maybe uh, t- tiger twos coming out. Who knows? You know, but, I really uh, yeah, wish, was a ton you, of fun. and you know, you know, the reason Phil's not in there is they could not come to terms on him wearing that coffee for wellness hat on there. Well, and they said, uh, we only need X amount of minutes of, uh, and he's like, no, no, I need the camera. I need, I need the, give me the microphone. Give me the microphone. Still a mic. A- Actually, absolutely. he probably yeah. did all the filming. They had to cut the whole thing out. <laughs> <laughs> It's like actually Phil did say yes, but we can use it. No, no he, we, he he did not no, say that. We, and we and everything Phil. that you're hearing, yeah, yeah, we do. And and we didn't we didn't edit this, up, so yeah. it's uh, you know everything everything straight from um, from one of the guys that made the movie. But uh, it was, yeah, I, I mean, a great conversation. Uh, I mean, we could have kept talking, but uh, you know that uh, busy guy on to new things. So. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to uh, who's next. Cheers. Cheers.